When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast. You're listening to our 134th weekly episode. I'm your host, Rick Cole, and every week right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, we take a trip back in time down memory lane, if you will, and we bring you all the hockey news from 50 years ago, exactly as it was reported by some of the greatest sports writers of all time. This week, we are at May 29th to June 4th, 1972. If you like what we do here uh, on the Hockey Podcast Network and every day on Twitter, you can really help us out by going to patreon.com slash hockey 50 years and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribers get early access to every week's free podcast and we do have some uh what we call overtime sessions, special episodes specifically for the subscribers planned for this summer. Uh, These episodes let us dive more deeply and in greater detail to the stories that dominated the hockey world 50 years ago. So that's patreon.com slash hockey 50 years to subscribe and we really appreciate everyone's support. So this week, we reach the end of May 1972, and we move into the month of June. Now, for me, June was always a great hockey month. Even though when I started following hockey, hockey in the summer was not a thing. But I loved June because, you know, in the 50s, 60s, and 50 years ago in the 70s, the NHL and other various hockey organizations, they had their summer meetings. So there were the various drafts that took place. There was no free agency back then, but there were always lots of trades, player movement, and it was interesting to see how your team was going to try and improve itself over the summer. Now, of course, in June, 50 years later than that, we have the Stanley Cup playoffs in full swing, and the summer meetings actually followed just shortly after that but it wasn't, it isn't anymore the event that it was then. Although we do now, uh, the highlight of it is the amateur draft, which was just starting to gain interest back in the early 1970s. The week began with the big story being Bobby Hull's name coming up in almost every newspaper that reported on hockey around Canada and in many parts of the United States. The Golden Jet, as everyone knew by now, had made news a week ago when he declared that he would be signing with the World Hockey Association Winnipeg Jets if they put their money where their mouths were. Well, the WHA responded to Hull's declaration by announcing that 
along with Winnipeg, the other nine teams confirmed in the league at this point would each contribute $100,000 in cash to the Jets to get the cash required by Hull to sign a contract. That cash had to be upfront and readily available to transfer to Bobby Hull's bank account. So they all decided to pony up and actually support it. So it really looked like like this thing was actually going to happen. Now, in addition to this, there's a lot of other quick hit hockey tidbits this week, a lot of player signings and other news. So let's get into that before we delve into a couple of longer features near near the end of the show. So news from Monday of this week, Gary Peters of the Boston Braves was named the American Hockey League Most Valuable Player. Gary uh, had a, an injury-riddled season. He played only 58 games, but he scored 39 goals and had 34 assists for 73 points. Uh, it was a great season. He's a veteran guy. He's been around. He's been in the Montreal organization, uh, original Philadelphia Flyer. Now, the Bruins are the team that owns his NHL rights, and it's a cinch. They're not going to protect him in the upcoming expansion draft, so we were looking for Gary to end up with either the Islanders or new the Atlanta team, unnamed early in the week, but later in the week, they did acquire a moniker. There's a lot of uh, a lot of reporting at this time of the year that really uh, is less than the quality that most sports journalists would like to put out there. Uh, there was a report in the Minneapolis Tribune this week that uh, confirmed, according to them, that right winger Bill Goldsworthy of the Minnesota North Stars had been named to the team of Canadian professionals who would face the Russians in September. The report also described the dates of the tournament completely incorrect, saying it was starting in late August and would finish by the end of the first week in September. But they did somehow get what they claimed to be a quote from a quote from Goldsworthy as saying that his appearance in the series would first have to be cleared by the North Stars general manager, Ren Blair. NBC sports reporter Guy LeBeau broke the news first this week that the New York Raiders had signed the World Hockey Association's first black player. Uh, LeBeau reported that they had convinced Alton White, he's a uh, Eastern Canada uh, native from the Maritimes, played for the Providence Reds of the American Hockey League this last season. They convinced him that uh, signing a contract with them was the right thing to do. They gave him a very nice deal, by the way. And Alton agreed to uh, play for the New York Raiders. Now, he insisted he was no trailblazer. Don't compare me to Jackie Robinson or even Willie O'Ree, who went through things much worse than I had in playing hockey. The story was picked up by the Associated Press almost immediately, and with over the next two days, all of the reputable sports uh, mainstream uh, outlets had the story, including pictures of... Uh, Alton White and a cake that they baked for him for the press conference. 
One of the things I just loved about June as well is those hallowed sports celebrity dinners. They seem to have all over Ontario. It seemed every every town, big and small, had some sort of a uh, celebrity dinner. You may remember I talked about a couple years ago a uh, dinner we had in Dunville at my high school to celebrate our, our high school athletes and Jim Gregory, uh, that time the new general manager of the Maple Leafs, came uh Put out a little bit of news that the wire services uh, picked up from us, gave us a, a few tips on what was going on with the Leafs, and it was quite a neat thing. Well, there were a couple of interesting uh, interesting ones this week, and we'll kind of come back and forth as we go through the week chronologically. But the first one that we got this week, Dave Dryden, the goalie of the Buffalo Sabres at a sports, uh, Ontario Sports Writers and Sportscasters Association annual convention and dinner said that Hockey Canada might be making a mistake by pitting an NHL all-star team against the Russians in that September hockey series. He told a seminar at the convention that his personal choice to meet the Russians would be the Stanley Cup champion Boston Bruins. Dryden said, I don't think the 18 best players make up the best team. Uh, Dryden uh who is the brother of Ken Dryden, by the way, the Canadians. Uh, Dryden said, I think a September series is a complete mistake. You can't put together 18 players in two weeks and make a team out of them. Well, one of the things I think we would have found had they sent the Bruins is that that particular group of Boston players with that coach, namely Tom Johnson, who at that point would still be the coach of the Bruins, would not have whipped themselves into the physical condition needed to take on and beat the Russians. And as we learned in September, it was going to take everything Canada had to manage to get by the Russians. And then they would do so just by the skin of their teeth, as we would learn. Now, another fellow at a, speaking at a banquet in Sarnia, Ontario, Pat Stapleton, an all-star defenseman with the Blackhawks, says that he feels that Canada, by sending the all-star team, is playing right into the hands of the Russians. Uh, Stapleton did say he's been approached to play for the Canadian team, but of course, no players have, despite the report out of Minnesota. No players have been absolutely named to the team yet. And he says that a team such as the Boston Bruins should be used for the series and... uh an all-star team would be good, but only if it was in mid-season and everyone was in shape. One of the bigger uh, May-June uh sports celebrity dinners was always held in Oshawa, Ontario. And this year's was no difference. And some news came out of there. Both Bob Kelly of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman Brian Glenny were present. They were both uh, confronted with news rumors that they had signed contracts with the World Hockey Association. Kelly was supposed to have gone to the Chicago Cougars and Glenny uh, had thought to be joining the Minnesota Fighting Saints. As it turned out, the Cougars actually stated that they had in their possession a signed standard WHA contract belonging to Kelly. Uh, the Fighting Saints did make no claim, but both Kelly and Glennie at 
the uh, dinner answering questions from reporters said that they had not signed with the rival league and neither did they plan to. Well, actually, Kelly came right out and said he had re-signed with the Flyers, would be with them this fall. Glennie said he had listened to the Fighting Saints offer and now was negotiating with Leafs general manager Jim Gregory. One player who did sign a deal with the New England Whalers over that previous weekend, Victoria Day holiday weekend, I guess, uh, the weekend before, no, actually Memorial Day weekend. Terry Caffrey was the American Hockey League Rookie of the Year with the Cleveland Barons, and he signed a deal with the New England Whalers. Caffrey's National Hockey League rights belong to the Minnesota North Stars, who uh, have the Barons as their main farm team, and the North Stars owner, Walter Bush, says that he's going to take legal action against both the Whalers and Terry Caffrey to prevent the forward Caffrey from leaving the NHL. Bush is of the opinion that even though Caffrey has signed no contract with the NHL team for the 72-73 season, that the reserve clause will be upheld by courts in the United States and that will bind the team to one professional team for life unless said team allows that player to play somewhere else. We'll see how that works out. The Kurt Flood case still before the Supreme Court in the United States. We have a feeling that'll have a lot to do to settle this burning question. Earl Ingerfield, former NHL star with the Rangers, Penguins, and California Golden Seals. Last year, Earl coached the uh, Junior A Regina Pats out west, and uh, he resigned this year to become the chief Western scout for the New York Islanders. That's not news. We give you this uh, news earlier. But this week, Bill Thorey, the Islanders general manager, all of a sudden, Seems he's having trouble finding somebody to coach the team. Several people have turned down his offer to coach the club. And the latest is Earl Ingerfield. They offered Earl the head coaching position. And he said he did not want to get into coaching at the NHL level at this point in time because he had just finished a long career in pro hockey. This was uh, last winter, the first year he kept his team, his team, his family at home while he coached Regina. He did not want to move his family to New York and, of course, be away for long stretches of time once again. Another uh, Uh, coaching news from Monday. Al McNeil led the Nova Scotia Voyageurs to the American Hockey League Calder Cup Championship and he has agreed to return to the team as the coach and general manager for next season. Of course Al is a native of Nova Scotia, loves it out there, loves working for Montreal Canadiens, but there had been some serious talk that the Atlanta team the new Atlanta expansion team that is in the NHL was interested in Al as their coach, but he told him he wasn't uh, moving to the southern United States at this point in his life. A couple more signings. Uh, Wednesday, the LA Sharks said they had signed forwards Earl Heiskala 
and Joe Zura. They both played in uh, the minor leagues last year. Zura belonged, I believe, to the California Golden Seals, high school, a property of the Philadelphia Flyers. He spent a couple seasons up with the Flyers. And the Winnipeg Jets signed winger Norm Bowden out of the St. Louis Blues organization. Bob Pulford played this past season with the Los Angeles Kings of the NHL. And Bob, a longtime member of the Toronto Maple Leafs and one of the better NHL players during the time period that his career took place and says he wants to help Canada defeat Russia in that September hockey series. Popoli is very realistic about this. Bob says the best contribution I could make to Canada beating the Russians would be to fill in at Bobby Orr, for Bobby Orr at his hockey school so he can get away to play the games against the Russians. Very pragmatic guy, that Bob Pulford. Bob also mentioned at a hockey banquet that he is very interested in the vacant coaching position with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, a lot of guts to want to go and work for Jack Kent Cook as a coach. Teams that lost a goalkeeper in the 1970 Buffalo-Vancouver expansion draft don't have to worry about losing one this draft unless they absolutely feel they want to. Montreal Canadiens are one of the teams that have such an exemption due to their uh, losing goalie Rocky Farr to the Buffalo Sabres in the 1970 expansion. But Sam Pollock, Canadiens general manager, says that he is going to make at least one of his excess netminders, that being Phil Mirror, available to the new Atlanta and Long Island teams. In fact, it's been kind of determined that Long Island will pick first in the skater draft, Atlanta in the goaltender portion of the proceedings. And it's thought that Pollock, who is, of course, great friends with the Atlanta general manager, Cliff Fletcher, has made some sort of side deal. So the Atlanta team will pick goalie Phil Mir. A little more news from midweek. Jack Eagers became the ninth member of the St. Louis Blues to sign his 1972-73 contract with the team. And a little bit of coaching news. Rudy Pillis had been rumored to be the first coach of the Chicago Cougars of the WHA. Rudy says he's staying with the Junior A Brandon Wheat Kings and is very happy to do so. Doug Bartley, who says he doesn't really want to coach and then likes to coach. Uh, didn't like coaching in the NHL with the Red Wings. Didn't like coaching in the CHL with Fort Worth. Well, Doug has returned to the coaching ranks again this year, this time with the Tidewater Wings of the American Hockey League. It had been thought that Tidewater might hire former Richmond Robins coach Eddie Bush to run that team. But that's not where Eddie's going. There will be news on Eddie Bush shortly. The San Diego Gulls are one of 10 groups making a bid. They made a bid last week for a National Hockey League expansion franchise. And they feel their offer is actually receiving serious consideration. General manager of the Gulls, Max McNabb, said, we're not saying that we're essential to get in, but we feel we made as good presentation as anyone who made a bid. 
McNabb says that no other bids actually overpowered them. The NHL Board of Governors had been expected to announce last week uh, the two teams that were they were going to add for the 74-75 season, but they delayed the decision until the June 8th meeting in Montreal. Now, McNabb said that he knew that the San Diego bid uh, were considered underdogs going in, but the fact that they decided to consider, the, they meaning the NHL governors, decided to consider all the applications at greater length is an encouraging thing for the folks from San Diego. McNabb says it's obvious that this is not cut and dried. Well, one of the reasons that the NHL probably decided to delay choosing which two teams were going in is they wanted to keep these 10 groups and eight cities, I believe it was, on the line. That way, those guys, of course, the NHL is first choice of where you're going to put a team. If the WHA wanted to move into those cities, well, they're going to have to wait a couple more weeks because the NHL was keeping them on the line while they made up their minds. And some of the teams that we're talking about on that list to get into the NHL ended up later on in the WHA. A little more news about the Harold Edwin Ballard, president of Maple Leaf Gardens, fraud and theft trial. Witnesses testifying at the trial this week said that services supplied for Ballard's personal use by companies they worked for were actually paid by funds from Maple Leaf Gardens. Ballard, 67, is being tried on charges of fraud and theft involving about $205,000. The indictment against him includes 28 charges of fraud and 21 charges of theft. James Douglas Fardo, he's a manager of Limousine Livery Toronto Limited, told the court that on March 17, 1967, Ballard ordered three cars from their company to be used for his daughter's wedding. Fardo said the bill for $60 was paid for by a check from the gardens and that the word wedding on the original invoice was crossed out and the words airport service substituted in its place. That, my friends, is is classic fraud by using a false document, which that was. Another witness, Howard Everett Wise, a partner in Jack Wise Plumbing and Heating of Toronto, testified that work totaling $1,407 done on Ballard's Georgian Bay Cottage and his Toronto home in 1965 was also paid for by checks issued by Maple Leaf Gardens. The work on the cottage, Mr. Wise said, was done on instructions from Jack Gordon, not the North Stars coach. He was the chief engineer for Maple Leaf Gardens. And the work done on Ballard's private home was listed as removing water lines in organ loft at the gardens. Not quite. Michael Nagy, a third witness called by the Crown Prosecutor Clay Powell, told the court that a company he owned in 1967, Creative Landscape and Design, installed underground water sprinklers and planted a tree at 
Ballard's home. He said the two jobs, costing about $1,690, were paid for by a Maple Leaf Gardens check. One of the invoices listed the work as sprinkler system and repair in the gardens animal storage area yes they had an animal storage area while the second said the bill was for inspection and repair of the sprinkler system in the garden switch room Nagy said we never did any work at maple leaf gardens now if convicted on all the charges ballard could be sentenced to as much as 20 years in prison he has of course pled not guilty you know, even if they got him on every single count, he would never get 20 years. Vancouver Canucks lost another player to the WHA Thursday. Ron Ward announced that he's going to the New York Raiders of the new league. He spent most of the previous season last year with the American Hockey League, Rochester Americans. We mentioned earlier that the Long Island and Atlanta teams set for the expansion draft next week had uh, determined their draft orders. Well, what they did, we told you a bit about this last week, I think, Bill Torrey and Cliff Fletcher got together and said, we don't want to have a situation like Buffalo and Vancouver had where Buffalo won all the flips. So they decided to flip a coin and then determined what the coin flips would mean. Well, the uh, first pick in the amateur draft in the coin uh as a result of the coin toss went to the I the Islanders who uh immediately said that Bill Harris of the Toronto Marlboros would be their first pick in the amateur draft although they didn't come out and make a formal announcement everybody who was uh, observing anything uh, believed that Cliff Fletcher was going to take Jacques Richard the Quebec uh, junior forward Atlanta then got first pick of the goalkeepers and it believed Phil Meir Montreal was going to be their pick thanks to a little bit of skullduggery by Sammy Pollock Islanders didn't make any mention of who their goalie would be but it was believed they were taking a hard look at Jerry Desjardins of the Chicago Blackhawks. Another goalie in the news this week, Joe Daly, played for the Detroit Red Wings this year. He signed with the Winnipeg Jets. Joe, of course, is a Winnipeg native. And like so many players who leave Detroit, once they get out of under the control of Red Wings general manager Ned Harkness, they have anything but kind words for the Red Wing general manager Daly said that he wanted out midway last year he had a seven game winning streak going when inexplicably the Red Wings removed him from the lineup they replaced him with Al Smith and they called up Andy Brown from the minors Joe was actually taken completely off skates for a week and he said he could not get his edge back uh, no pun intended he could not play as well because they just gave him a week off in the middle of the summer or middle of the season he didn't uh, practice or anything Harkness said that or Daly said that Harkness lied to him and did not and did not treat him with respect and at no time was he ever honest with him and he was glad to be going to Winnipeg where he will team up with former Blues goalkeeper Ernie Wakely to give the new Jets a pretty good net-minding tandem. Jack Riley, who returned to the GM duties with the Pittsburgh Penguins last year after Red Kelly wanted to just go back to coaching, 
has some tough decisions to make before the expansion draft. Some of the key players who played for the Penguins last year were Tim Horton, 40, Ken Schenkel, he's also 40, Val Fontaine, 39, Eddie Shack, 35, and goalie Les Binkley, 35. Looks like they probably all will be left unprotected and available to New York uh, uh, Islanders and the Atlanta team in the expansion draft. Horton, by the way, this week was at another uh, hockey banquet. This was in North Bay, and Tim told folks at the banquet that he'd had enough of pro hockey. He was going to hang him up this summer and concentrate on his donut business, 28 shops and all, in southern Ontario. And yet at another sports dinner, the Leafs captain, Dave Keon, wouldn't commit to returning to the Leafs this year. Said he hasn't signed a contract with anybody. He wasn't going to talk about it because he considers his contract matters private business and nobody else's business. But he did say that if the Ottawa Nationals want to sign him, it's going to take a very substantial offer to lure him away from the National Hockey League. But then Davey added the caveat that he would listen to anything that the Nats general manager, Buck Hool, has to say. Hey hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook now in Ontario and an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoff in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and you get in return $100 in free bets no matter what whether the team wins or loses. Looking to turn a small bet into a a big payday during the playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays you can do just that create your own parlay by combi- combining multiple bets like which team will win how many goals will be scored and much more it's your shot at an even bigger payout DraftKings is safe secure and reliable and best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash when ever you want you control it so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now use promo code THPN bet $5 on NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what that's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply and see our show notes for details. There were rumors everywhere that Leaf center Jim Harrison had signed a contract with either the Edmonton WHA team or with the Leafs. Stories in many papers, depending which paper you read, had him signing with one of those two teams. Well, Harrison was also at another hockey banquet, and he said he would prefer staying with the Leafs, but at this point in time, he had not signed any contract with any professional hockey team. Harris said he prefers being with the Leafs, but he said that he wants to be sure that he fits in the Leafs' plans. Jim said, I bought land in Aurora and I want to build a house if I stay here. It has to be 
at least two years. Jim, they're not going to give you a no-trade clause. And knowing the way things have gone for the Leafs and how popular a guy like Jim Harris would be, I would bet he'd get traded before two years if he doesn't jump to the new league. Flyers got another man in the fold when forward Don Zaleski signed a two-year deal with the team. And on the same day, Johnny Busick at 37 agrees to another one-year contract with the Bruins. The Whalers signed former Boston University defenseman Rick Jordan and it followed that up on Friday by signing another rear guard named Rick that Rick Lee of the Toronto Maple Leafs who basically said that the Leafs ignored him since the end of the season and never made him a serious contract offer. Dan Filger is the, is the agent for both Terry Harper and Ted Harris, and he wants it known that Ted Harris did not play a World Hockey Association offer against the North Stars offer before signing with the Minnesota NHL team. Filger says, Teddy's got too much class. Winnipeg had offered us four years salary cash in trust when it came down to the crunch they backed off to one year guaranteed so then Filger and Harris went to Ren Blair and they made the deal sometimes you can tell who the really classy hockey players are when asked about the series in September against the Russians Frank Mahovlich first reaction wasn't to ask about the money or bitch about lost vacation time the Big M received a letter from Alan Eagleson uh, asking him about his availability for the series in September. The Big M says, I phoned Al right away and said I would be there. Now, Eagleson asked that that would cut short his holiday, and Frank said, you bet, but that's a minor problem. I'll be there. As the weekend approached, the World Hockey Association suddenly had 11 teams. They welcomed the city of Philadelphia to the league, awarding the former Miami Screaming Eagles franchise to a couple of Jersey boys, attorney James Cooper of Atlantic City and Vineland, New Jersey native Bernard Brown. The team is going to play in the Philadelphia Convention Center, and by the end of the week, the team, which would be called the Blazers, not the Screaming Eagles, announced that their first player was going to be goalie Bernie Perrant returning to the city he loves, Philadelphia. Actually, the city his wife loves even more. And they got Bernie because they assumed Bernie's contract from the Miami franchise and got the rights to all the players that the Screaming Eagles previously had. NHL President Clarence Campbell at yet another bank sports celebrity dinner said it uh, he favors Harry Sinden as the best candidate to coach the Canadian professionals against the Russians in September and Harry is interesting interested in the job Harry said it's going to be a great opportunity for anybody in hockey to coach in such a fantastic series and Harry would consider it a great honor the far-reaching possibilities of this series with regard to the future of hockey is limitless and Sinden said I have to admit I have a selfish motive as well. Harry said it would give him the chance to do something in hockey while remaining employed with Sterling Homex of Rochester. 
And speaking of Rochester, Don Cherry, who took over as coach of the AHL Americans partway through last season, well, he's been left hanging by the parent Vancouver Canucks. Don was told at the end of the season by Rochester general manager Doug Adam that he was free to look at other employment uh, because they didn't know what they were going to do with him. Now, Bud Poyle, the GM of the Canucks, says that Don has neither been fired nor rehired by the American Hockey League team, whatever that means. They haven't made up their minds. In Vancouver, really, they didn't know what they were doing out there for most of it. Uh, Cherry told Hans Tanner of the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle that a job he is very interested in is with Charlotte of the Eastern Hockey League. That job is open. Don now wants to commit himself to a future in coaching hockey, hopefully sometime, somewhere, if someone would have him at the NHL lever. A few signings for Saturday. Goalie Jim Rutherford, a two-year deal with Pittsburgh. Uh, defensemen Chris Evans, Bob and Barkley Plager all signed one-year packs with the St. Louis Blues. And Serge Savard has a two-year contract with Montreal Canadiens. Another coaching uh, a bit of news on Saturday. Eddie Bush informed the Ottawa Nationals he wasn't going to be their coach. Uh, GM Buckwell said that Bush and the team had agreed to terms for him to take the coaching job, but Eddie went back to the Nationals and asked them to release him from the deal. He hadn't signed the contract yet. Eddie's first love is junior hockey, and the Kitchener Rangers approached him about coaching the team in the OHA Major Junior A League. Eddie accepted that deal, and he will be back in junior hockey next year. Later on Saturday, Bud Poyle was at it again with his typical BS. Now Bud was telling reporters that he has already signed the Canucks' first-round pick in this year's amateur draft to a contract for next year. The problem is the draft is until next week. And now Poyle, saying he signed the player, says he isn't even sure which player he's going to take because Atlanta, who picked second just before Vancouver, picking third, will not commit to Bud which player they want, although it's already been widely reported they will take Jacques Richard, and there doesn't seem to be anybody close to that, but Cliff Fletcher probably playing coy with Poyle. Well, Poyle said, we just can't get Atlanta to commit themselves. We have made a deal with a junior hockey player who will be drafted by us if he's available. Harold Ballard was asked about players like Brad Selwood and Rick Lee and maybe Jim Harrison who have jumped to the WHA. And Ballard says the Leafs are going to protect everybody who has moved to the new league as if there was nothing that was amiss. He remains unimpressed by the World Hockey Association signings. And he said, I hope and I think the WHA will get off the ground, but I don't think it will last and Ballard then said I expect Perrant will be back with us for the start of the season while the others will join us later right while Hal was talking about all this the Philadelphia Blazers were holding a press conference announcing that Perrant had agreed to the new contract with the Blazers and definitely would be with that team next season 
Saturday saw a few WHA signings. Johnny Kniff of the Rochester Americans signed with the Whalers and Milt Black left the Dallas Blackhawks of the Central Hockey League for the Winnipeg Jets. Ottawa announced the signing of their first two players. While everyone expected California Seals forward Wayne Carlton to be the guy, Wayne still hadn't formally agreed to a contract with the Nationals. But Buck Hull said that the two guys who had signed with the Ottawa club were forward Bob LeDuc, who's an eight-year minor leaguer, and 22-year-old former Hamilton Red Wing Ron Climey, who had been in the St. Louis Blues chain, and they were now under contract. The Nats also announced a radio deal with station CKOY in Ottawa, who will carry a combination of 60 home and away Ottawa Nationals WHA games. And by the way, Carlton, the only holdup in his contract apparently is how they're going to work out some sort of a tax deal. Wayne has several side businesses that he conducts in the offseason. I think he's trying to lessen the tax burden that he's going to have. We had some notes from Dick Beddoes on Saturday morning, and we'll uh, give you those. Uh, Beddoes, uh, always flamboyant, often controversial, and sometimes not quite as factual as he should be, had this to say. He said that Kansas City, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, in that order, are the choices to become the 15th and 16th NHL teams. Beddoes says Cincinnati is put down because fans there refuse to support professional basketball and they did not have a lot of enthusiasm for minor pro hockey they had an AHL team this past year there seemed to be political overtones to the acceptance of Kansas City the NHL might be seeking legislative allies in Washington and a Kansas senator a fellow by the name of Robert Dole is the national chairman of the Republican Party even more political in the NHL boundaries is that the son of Bill Jennings chairman of the NHL expansion committee and president of the New York Rangers is an important member of the Kansas City group one NHL source tells Beddoes clubs in the WHA are getting more desperate all the time Edmonton now has one in a hundred chance of being there when the whistle blows in the fall Ottawa's getting lower and lower and Quebec City might not even start the season. The source told Bettles the only teams that look like they can even start the season are Minnesota, New England, New York, and Winterpeg. Uh, Beto said there had been wide speculation that Norm Ullman might abandon the Leafs to return to Edmonton where he learned to play hockey. The chances, however, that Ullman is closer to signing with another NHL team or WHE team than he is with Edmonton, but no other WHA team has Edmund has uh, Norm Ullman's rights. So really, that's not a consideration as far as anybody else who actually knew the situation was concerned. Wedding bells have won a postponement for the Bruins forward Ace Bailey in the drunken disorderly conduct case pending against him in New England District Court. The case was to have been heard Friday, but Bailey's attorneys won a postponement to June 19th by pleading that Bailey was about to be married. Police said Bailey was arrested when he came to the state police barracks and tried to see a friend who had been arrested earlier. 
Next week will be a big, big uh, show for us because it is the NHL June meetings. Here's the agenda as we have it now. Monday, there'll be the intra-league draft, minor league meetings for the Central American Leagues, and a joint rules committee meeting. Tuesday, the NHL governors meeting, the expansion draft, and the interleague draft. Now, the interleague draft is teams draft, NHL teams drafting from other NHL teams. The interleague draft is where NHL teams draft from minor league teams. Wednesday, the Hall of Fame selections will be announced. There'll be another NHL governor's meeting, the NHL luncheon and presentation of the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy. And Thursday, the NHL governor's meetings continue. The reverse draft and the amateur draft will take place. The reverse draft is where minor league teams get to draft players who are not on an extensive NHL team's protected list. And of course, the amateur draft is for graduating junior A and other amateur players who are turning 20. The NHL clubs can pick one player from each other, by the way, in that intra-league draft. The new expansion entries, Long Island and Atlanta, will pick two goalkeepers each and then draft skaters until each of the other 14 teams have each lost three players. It's a draft and fill situation. So you lose a player, you get to freeze another player to your uh, protected list. The reverse draft we told you about, the most important draft, of course, of all those is the amateur draft. Now get this, in addition to their normal 14th draft choice, the Canadians also have the Los Angeles, California, and Pittsburgh first round picks through previous deals. New York Rangers will pick up Detroit's first round draft pick as a result of the deal with the Detroit Red Wings. Saturday signings, the Flyers signed six players, including Eddie Van Imp, John Potvin, Gary Dornhofer, Lou Morrison, Ross Lonsbury, and a rookie goalie named Michelle Bellimer. And the Blues signed Gary Unger to a multi-year contract. The Penguins signed three guys, defenseman Daryl Edestrand, left-winger Steve Cardwell, and Syl Apps Jr., their star center. And the Atlanta team announced their name. A fan entered a contest and his entry was selected as the winner. He wants them called the Atlanta Flames. Flames as in going down in flames. Bob Meller of the Ottawa Citizen has a pretty interesting story for us about the WHA. And we'll give you that right now. Uh, it's as ironic as all get out, but now the World Hockey Association is worrying about actually weakening the National Hockey League. Don't laugh. They have their reasons. Naturally, it seems the least plausible of all the possibilities in a signing war for the players was touched off when the new league began coming into existence. But you know what? It's really happening. The explanation, of course, is that the WHA's reasons are, of course, purely selfish. The WHA machinations towards getting itself off the ground have attempted to steer a course just short of the point where an NHL club would feel sufficiently injured to take them to court. What's been happening, says Doug Michelle of Ottawa, is that some of the NHL clubs are apparently being hurt more than other NHL teams. Now, the specific clubs he brought into the discussion were Philadelphia, Van 
Vancouver and Toronto. Now, it might be coincidence, it might not, but it is a matter of record that the 14 existing clubs in the NHL, players from those three, have been most frequently mentioned in the discussions of possible jumps to the new league. As a matter of fact, six of the WHA signings to date have involved those three clubs and three of the players have been Philadelphia property. It's entirely possible, Michelle admitted, that we could decimate one or more of the NHL teams. In that case, Michelle says, the NHL teams might take the WHA to court on the presumption that they just don't have anything to lose. That's why, according to the Ottawa owner, the WHA is considering some kind of a rule to actually protect the individual NHL teams. Michelle said that they weren't worried about winning the court cases, but that they could end up in a situation where they couldn't use the players they signed because the NHL teams had secured court injunctions to prevent their playing for them until the case had been ultimately settled and decided by the courts. And in the meantime, Michelle says the WHA teams would be on the hook for the players' salaries. He thinks it might come to the point where the WHA teams have to make an agreement not to sign collectively any more than, say, four members of any one individual NHL club. The specter of court action by the NHL to ward off the new league's inroads on its monopoly has always, of course, lurked in the background since the WHA began struggling to get born. But by restricting itself to players whose current contract has run out, the World Hockey Association owners have left the NHL only one area on which to contest their filching of player talent. That's the reserve clause, which even long before the event advent of the WHA, Clarence Campbell and company have always been extremely reluctant to put to a court test. Doug Michelle went on to say that if the NHL decided to make a test case, they give them a fight all the way. Michelle says they're already being investigated in the U.S. under antitrust legislation. Michelle says our league office has a pile of material this high, indicating a level about shoulder height, ready to go for an antitrust suit against them. So while, yes, the WHA is worried about the health of the NHL, you can see that this is purely strategic. They don't want to piss them off enough to go into a lengthy court battle. What Michelle doesn't say is that funds are at a premium in the WHA and what they're really worried about is having to pay the lawyers to fight a battle they might be able to win. And in that case, it would be winning the battle, but ultimately losing the war. Here's an interesting story out of Vancouver. British Columbia Supreme Court judge yesterday described as reprehensible the conduct of Joe Crozier, former manager coach of the Vancouver Canucks, and he awarded former player Herb Pinder $7,141 damages against the club, the Western Hockey League Vancouver Canucks. 
for breach of contract. Mr. Justice A.B. McFarland held that the club did not give written notice of termination as required by a contract signed by Pinder in October of 1969. And thus, they did not end the contract in the manner stipulated in said contract. Pinder claimed that when he signed the contract, he asked that he be guaranteed $2,500 in the event he was dropped during the contract year. He was refused, but said he was told by Crozier that if he could not cut it by Christmas, the club would pay him the total value of the contract. Pinder, who had been a member of Canada's national hockey team, said he sought the no-cut contract because he was attempting to pay his way through law school in Winnipeg and had given up a $5,000 scholarship to play for the Western Hockey League Canucks. Court was told that Pinder attended training camp played all the exhibition games and three league games. And on November 7th, 1969, Crozier told him by telephone, no less, that his services were no longer required. Pinder claimed that when he advised Crozier he intended to hold the club to his contract in view of the events, Crozier said, listen, Sonny Jimbo, you made your mind up. You said you want your money, so I'm going to keep you in Vancouver all year, and you're not going to play, but you're going to be practicing from 8 in the morning until 6 at night. Mr. Justice McFarlane said that although Pinder then returned to Manitoba to play hockey, he could have been recalled by the Canucks at any time, and he was prepared to discuss the situation with the club. The matter was left unresolved by the defendant, the Vancouver Hockey Club, and not by the plaintiff, who was Pinder. The defendant could have properly terminated the contract, but chose not to do so. Justice McFarland said it was his opinion that the conduct of Crozier was such that Pinder was entitled to assume the club did not intend to carry out the contract. The justice said Mr. Crozier did not assign the plaintiff to another team so he would have an opportunity to play, and he did not terminate the contract so the plaintiff would be free to play for another professional team. What he did was threaten the plaintiff. He told him that he would not be allowed to play hockey during the balance of the 1969-70 season when he well knew, as the defendant admits, that it is important for a professional hockey player not merely to practice hockey, but also to be engaged in competitive match play. He told him he would be called on to practice from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day when the normal practice hours were actually one or two a day. In other words, he threatened to punish the plaintiff rather than deal with him on the basis of the contract. This, in Justice McFarland's view, he was not entitled to do, and when he threatened to do it, the plaintiff was entitled to assume that the defendant did not intend to allow the plaintiff to fulfill his part of the contract. In addition to this reprehensible conduct on the part of Mr. Crozier, he clearly indicated an intention to breach the contract. So that is this week's show, everyone. And what did we learn in a very eventful May, June ending, beginning 
week this week a lot of signings nothing really too major but I gotta tell you things worked out for Bernie Prompt better than he ever could have expected when he saw how shaky the Miami team he signed with was one of the great NHL all-time defensemen Tim Horton has told people he's calling it quits to look after his 28 donut stores and we found out that the World Hockey Association is actually pretty worried about the health of the NHL but entirely for selfish reasons. We'll be back next week with a lot more off-season news as uh, we go through the month of June and the NHL meetings are taking place. We're going to find out about the uh, Atlanta Flames and the New York Islanders getting players. We'll see who goes in the amateur draft and I'm sure the WHA will try and steal some headlines from the NHL as well. The 50 Years Ago on a podcast is produced by Andy Cole. Can't thank Andy enough for everything he does here. Andy produces podcasts professionally. Uh, if you're thinking of starting a podcast, get a hold of me. I'll hook you up with Andy. He is a true media professional. The very popular Juno-nominated Toronto Indie Rock Group, the Rural Alberta Advantage, provides intro and exit music. If you ever get a chance to see him perform live, don't miss it. Other musical pieces are uh, crafted by Andy Cole, as well as the sound effects. Our research comes from files of the Toronto Star, the Toronto Globe and Mail, and of course the many publications found at newspapers.com. Don't forget our other sponsors, who are the Breakwall Brewing Company in beautiful downtown Port Coburn, Ontario. Patio season is with us, the weather is great. Join me sometime at the break wall for a beer and a burger. You can find us on Twitter every day at, at Hockey50Years, on Facebook under 50 Years Ago in Hockey. We have a WordPress site, hockey50yearsago.com, and of course, right here every Friday on the Hockey Podcast network thanks again to everyone who's been tuning into our show this has been a great season the summer is going to be the most interesting off season i think that i can ever remember and we hope you'll be with us all the way and on that note we will see you next time when the